0: This is Women Authors of Achievement Podcast, episode 12, with guest Gulce Vilke. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Daria Soborova and welcome to the show. Gulce is a head of portfolio and operations at Axel Springer, a media and technology company that over the last decades transformed from traditional print media company to Europe's leading digital publisher active in more than 40 countries. Gulce explained how she learned to balance her German and Turkish hearts as she co-founded the Two Hearts Tech Community that empowers talents with migration background in Germany. In this episode, you will learn how to strengthen your leadership position, how to fight the equal pay gap as a company and individual, and why negotiation is king or queen, if you will. Join me for today's conversation with Gulce Wilke, a woman who is an author of her own achievements. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Gülsha, welcome, and thank you so much for finding time to come over to the studio here at the very heart of Kreuzberg, Berlin.
1: Thanks a lot for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. Uh, You are quite an established and recognized figure in Germany, and I have one quote from you from 2006, where you said, one has to believe in what they want to achieve, then they can achieve it. Now, almost 15 years later, do you feel you have achieved what you have said for yourself back then? Wow.
1: First of all, thanks a lot for finding that quote. I don't even recall it, but it sounds uh, familiar to me and it sounds like a quote that I could have said either back then or nowadays. So I would say yes, because um, obviously everyone has his or her ups and downs. And I certainly also had very successful moments in my life within the last 15 years, but also some challenges. But I would say all in all, I'm very happy where I'm standing today, not only from a professional point of view and professional life, but also private life. And I would say that what I always like to say and I learned in the last years is that obviously life is lived forwards, but it's understood backwards. And a lot of things or moments where I thought back then, oh, no, this is a waste of time or this is a setback. Why me? Why now? now makes perfectly sense to me. And I'm very grateful for whatever happened because it led me where I am today.
0: Now that you look back, especially what were the main drivers of your career? Can you remember the people or events that accelerated your growth?
1: Yeah, so I would say definitely it's anything but planned, especially in in my younger years. And I think a lot of women especially tend to do that. We like to over plan and over strategize a lot of topics. And obviously I did or tried to do the same. So I thought, okay, with that age, I will finish my studies. Then I will go to consulting. Then I will marry, have a child and do my career, et cetera. But obviously some of that happens, some not. And I would really say that you touched upon it. It was particularly the people that I encountered along my way that also supported me or made me who I am today. I mean, obviously, it started with my social cultural background. So I did not have parents who have a fortune or who studied themselves or who had big careers, a great network, definitely not. But I had the luck to early on have a mom, especially, who is very, very ambitious and also self-confident, also as a woman uh, with a Turkish background. So she always told me to believe in myself and never take a no for granted. And this combined with a dad who started as a factory worker at Ford in Cologne. And then um, very early on in his early 20s, yeah, started his own business. Basically very cliche as a carpet seller, but then basically had a printing company and really got successful. So I think this self-confidence provided by my mom with this entrepreneurial spirit provided by my dad really pushed me. And then it started in school when teachers started believing in me. Then at university, my first job at at IBM, I had senior manager who, when he hired, told me, Gulcha, you you're like a diamond, like a raw diamond. And there's so much potential we see in you. Then later on at McKinsey, I still have him, Jörg Meffert. He's one of um, the senior partners in the technology and digital area of McKinsey who's still supporting me. And the same for Axel Springer where Andreas wiele and I really like to point out his name very loudly all the time because he really supported me intensely within the last, um, I would say, three to five years, did the same for me. So it's a lot about finding the right people who believe in you, probably more than you do yourself.
0: And also in one of your interviews you mentioned it's crucial to showcase role models, opportunities, and new horizons. And in your personal success story, what opportunities and horizons you unfold to women and men that look up to you?
1: So I really think that uh, role models or people to look up to, probably also that are a bit similar to you, be it in terms of gender, cultural background, or the same university really, really helps and can move the needle, so to say. And I think I do it via via two forms. First of all, obviously, by trying to share my experiences with as many women and men as possible, be it in interviews or during my work. And then secondly, by all my, I would say, extracurricular or by activities that are very close to my heart, being Axel Springer Women on the gender topic and then Two Hearts Tech Community on the topic of cultural background. And I think these are great platforms to reach, especially those that uh, need the support or that are very eager to to learn from role models.
0: This is great that you mentioned them because exactly about those two initiatives <laughs> we will talk about. <laughs> and I really love how you speak with pride about your family heritage being a granddaughter of turkish immigrants in germany why are your family roots so important for you i come from quiet
1: i would say common background in germany if you consider that there are more than 3 million turkish origin people and i think it's even more if you look at overall different migration backgrounds but still If you compare that to the track that I took and where I'm standing today, it's not so common at all. And I'm uh, one of the very, very few. I would really say that my parents' work ethics and ambition and the classic sentence that you will hear from a lot of parents' migration backgrounds saying, we didn't have these chances, but we invest all the money and all the time and all the hope in you really motivate, or at least it motivated me. And it made me who I am. It made me look different, obviously. If you look at me, I'm, I'm, I mean, I look different probably than the classic German woman. But at the same time, it also made me equipped with different traits and a personality that brings in diversity in a lot of also business decisions also, or investment decisions that I'm taking on a daily basis. And I think this is a huge chance and very enriching for the whole to put it in my um, area of work, tech scene.
0: But also you mentioned that there's not so many that reached such highs. So what really differentiated you from your peers? Did you took your life with more responsibility or did you took your parents' advice with more attention?
1: Definitely. That, that is a very good and very important question. I always say that there are. it starts very early on in the early childhood. And I always say, there are no stupid or no children with less intelligence than others with more. And what happens typically is that children, especially in young age, especially with migration background families, don't get the support from teachers or from those who, who really believe in them early on to proceed. And I had the luck that very early on, I had teachers who also said, hey, Gulcha really has some potential, and if we support her in that, she's going to have great chances to study, etc., which is not common at all. And I really think that it starts early, early, early on, and that today, especially today where Germany is getting older and older, and I think globally after Japan is the second oldest uh, company in the world. We need to also fully leverage the potential of those with migration backgrounds. We cannot afford anymore to let them not proceed as good as they could be by not supporting them in showing their potential.
0: And I would assume that as a child and teenager, it was difficult for you to balance your Turkish and German hearts. And even back in 2006, you wrote that you did not see yourself as a German, but as a Turkish woman who lives in Germany. Has your perception changed since then?
1: Very, very funny. I remember that quote quite vividly. And to be (laughs) honest, yes, my mindset uh, on that topic changed massively because now I would say I am a German with Turkish roots or with a Turkish background because if you think about it, I was born and raised fully in Germany. I never spent longer than six weeks, and that was during summer holidays in Turkey. And now I'm married to a German. (laughs) So I would definitely say it's a bit different. But when I look back at that time, obviously I come from a very small town near Cologne. I was raised by fully turkish parents in a in a very turkish dominated environment so in my early childhood and also later as a youth i had almost only turkish friends and i think this quote was uh, quite after that taken when i just started to study so my mindset changed on that but it doesn't matter if you consider yourself german with turkish roots or turkish with german influence It's about knowing that you are part of German culture, that you're 100% citizen here and that you have all the chances, but also responsibility to participate in this country's success and and do the best you can. And I think that's, that's key.
0: And it also feels like it's about the balance. And what was that moment for you when you felt in balance with your two identities, your two hearts, German and Turkish?
1: So basically, it's always an up and forth, right? Sometimes, back and forth, sometimes I really feel Turkish, right? When I visit my parents or my grandparents, even better, my grandparents in Cologne, and then we sit together, eat Turkish food, watch Turkish TV, I I feel like very Turkish, and it's totally fine, and it's part of me. And then when I'm back in Berlin, in my family, but also especially in my daily work as an investor at Axel Springer... I feel very German because obviously all my work ethics is 1,000% German. So it's a balance and it's never 50-50. Sometimes it's uh, 70-30, sometimes 90-10 in both ways. And I think that's that's amazing and it's a chance. We should never see that as a disadvantage.
0: It's beautiful. It feels like it's a back and forth, a little bit like a tango. Exactly. And (laughs) it's how people should consider it, I think, not to see it, as you said, as disadvantage, but really embrace it because it gives so many more advantages from how can you solve problems? You have basically two minds, two hearts, two thought processes. I would like us to speak about the two hearts tech community that empowers talents with immigration background. How did the idea to found two hearts come to life?
1: Basically, it was not an overnight decision. Surprise, surprise. That was a work in progress. So I remember, I think two years ago I met or I met Iskander Didrik. Um, I think three years ago. When he was still working for Microsoft and did an event for Microsoft women. And then um, I was invited and then we decided to catch back sometime. It took us one year to catch back. And then two years ago, we caught back and talked about hey, how wonderful would it be to, to have a circle or a regular dinner with more Turkish origin people within the tech scene or even with migration background? And then, um, again, there was a long pause, and we started again. And Iskandar told me, hey, I talked to a few more great people. I said, hey, same for me. Let's come together. And we started with a kickoff call, and the the rest is history. Now we are about to finally found Two Hearts as charity, and this is very, very um, special to me because it's the first time that I also identify in a public space with my background and see it, obviously, as, a, as an advantage.
0: Could you just tell more about what is Two Hearts and what are the goals of it?
1: So basically, what we say also on our um, webpage, and that's exactly what we, what we think, is we want to build tomorrow's European tech society with cultural diversity. And what does that mean? Our mission is to embrace the great talent that exists out there, especially in Germany, but also in Europe with immigration backgrounds and give them access to the tech scene. And this is something that never has been done systematically before and where we see huge potential. And we really think that through our work, particularly with young students, young professionals and probably also aspiring entrepreneurs to increase the share of people with migration background in the tech scene. And very importantly, by this also, strengthening Europe's tech positioning and uh, competitive situation, because I think there is great talent out there. And if you look at the international level in the US, the most successful companies in the world, be it Google, Tesla and SpaceX, and a number of others have been founded by people with different or many cultural backgrounds. So I think it's a huge chance.
0: And you use the word systematically. So how do you systematically do that?
1: So basically, um, obviously, there are a lot of ways to do that. And we decided that for us, focus is key, and especially at the beginning. And we want to focus first on young students, young professionals, and aspiring entrepreneurs. So let's say starting from their 20s, and support them with one-on-one mentoring and for this we are not only the four founders which is Iskandar Dirik, Min Sung, and Octai but also a very strong uh, founding member team of more than 20 great personalities women and men from the european tech scene basically who are who have different or more hearts more two or more hearts so different cultural backgrounds And who also achieved certain positioning in their career and now want to give back. There are great people really from VCs like uh, HV Capital or La Familia, startup founders, tech and um, corporate executives. And I'm very, very proud that we all have the same mission.
0: I love one of the quotes also from the website. We know the clash of cultures. We've been there. Some of us struggle to find our place, being a stranger in the countries we grew up, being a stranger in the countries of our parents and grandparents. I think so many people can identify with that. So I'm really excited about what Two Hearts has to hold and how can people stay updated about the news and the the pilot.
1: Exactly. So what we started is obviously you can reach out to us uh, via our email address, and once you you reach out to us and say you have interest and you want to get part of it. We will um, send you a short survey, like a type form, just to understand what is your background? Why are you interested? Would you like to be an active member? Would you rather consider yourself a mentee or a mentor? Based on this feedback, we will then um, take the next steps. And when we got live, I mean, Got life is a big word, but just announced to hearts based on a very, um, I would say, member-driven um, approach by announcing it uh, on our individual uh, LinkedIn profiles. We got massive, massive in- interest of hundreds of hundreds of emails, and we are very, very happy about it. And this also shows us that it's not just a gut feeling that we initially had that there is need for it, but this is 100% confirmation for that, and we are very, very happy to be Able to say that 2021 will be the year where we will make um, uh, True Hearts Tech uh, even more known and um, also a channel to support many.
0: Gulce, you are also an investor and head of portfolio and operations at Axel Springer. Before we speak about your investings, I'm sure in Germany everyone knows Axel Springer, but maybe you could give just a briefly explanation of what was Axel Springer previously, what is it today and the future plans of it also?
1: I think in Germany and more and more also in Europe, a lot of people will know what Axel Springer is. So Axel Springer is a, or used to be a family-owned company founded by Axel Springer, surprise, surprise. And we used to be a mere print publishing company long time ago. And today really we are one of the world's largest publishing and digital publishing houses. And Axel Springer has always been showcased as the success case for great and fast and successful transformation. What do I mean with that? I mean, in the early 2000s, obviously, Axel Springer almost went uh, through a near-death experience as we really had challenges because of the declining print revenues um, being mainly or the main source of revenue, obviously we also had classifieds in the print magazines, etc. But print in general was a very challenging area, and we have, we had back then, and we still have him, thank God, um, Matthias Döpner, who was very visionary, our CEO, who said that um, he really thinks that we have to transform Axel Springer by cannibalizing ourselves and being very bold and ambitious. So what we basically did is. Within the last 10 years, particularly, we did more than 100 ventures. It's all M&A, and we acquired a number of digital successful companies, particularly in the fields of content, so where our roots lie, and obviously also in classifieds, where I'm heading a very big part of uh, our investment activities. And I think this was very visionary. And still, this is the DNA of Axel Springer, always being a bit paranoia and asking yourself who could be the next one cannibalizing us. This makes it very exciting to work for that company because within the last six years that I'm working there in different leadership roles, there was not a day where I thought, oh, this gets now boring or um, I don't learn anything anymore. And you have to think that when I started Axel Springer, it was a listed company, in the MDUX. And um, now since one and a half, two years, we are a private company and we are a private equity backed um, private company by KKR. So even these two things to experience this within six years from a capital markets oriented company to a private equity um, acquired company makes it a very enriching and also challenging experience, I would say.
0: And what are your recent investments, Grucha, that you would like to share about
1: so obviously, uh, my focus is on particularly on everything around HR tech, e-recruitment, future of work, ad tech, and marketplaces. And the reason for that is that I'm responsible for Stepstone, which is by far the biggest p- portfolio company of Axel Springer. Back in 2019, when we also still reported our numbers, it made one-third of the overall EBITDA of Axel Springer globally and one-fifth ex- approximately of the revenues. So you see how important that company is versus the 100 other companies that we ventured in or that we acquired. And um, given the pandemic, Stepstone obviously also was quite hit because when the lockdowns were, especially back in March, a lot of big companies DAX companies stopped hiring or stopped hiring as fast as they would have planned for that year. And this obviously led also for StepStone as a recruitment company supporting big corporates, but also small corporates and companies in finding the right talent. That was quite challenging. And back then we pivoted quite, quite fastly and said that we will take advantage of the situation and think of ourselves as the partner and supporter of these corporates but also consumers and one acquisition that we did was the investment into Cameo, which is basically a company you could think of uh, as a mixture of Zoom, so video conferencing, but with very analytical and I would say B2B featured functions. And what that does that mean? It supports companies that want to hire for one role in different locations, different countries, or let's say interview a lot of people to very systematically record these interviews and interview and um, question and whatsoever and um, ask um, the right candidates in a very fast and scalable way. And this is possible by the features that cameo offers. And obviously there's AI behind, which enables you to analyze each and every interview and also find comparable ways between the different interviews. So this is an investment that we did very, very early on. And now what we are doing more and more is to go into the space of candidate engagement and chatbots. Obviously, chatbots is sounds a bit <laughs> old-minded, but candidate engagement is very, very important, especially during these times where people tend to browse and spend even more time on their laptop catching the right talent wherever they are without asking them to go on the StepStone page and making them aware of great job opportunities is very unique. And we are looking into this field as well. So yeah, these are two that are, I think, very exciting and very suitable to the current times.
0: This is very interesting. I have spoken already to a few guests on this podcast and nobody was speaking about specifically candidate engagement. That's I think a very interesting one to keep an eye on and has a lot of potential. As one of the few female executives at Axel Springer, you are the founder of Axel Springer Women, a global network to support women in leadership positions, promote equal pay and mentor female tech talent and talent also in product and finance. How come after some time at Axel Springer, you realize that there's a need of starting AXA Springer Women. What was the driver of this decision?
1: To be very honest, I would have never dared to do that. I would say I started AXA Springer Women 2019. So two years ago, I would have never dared doing that 10 or even five years ago.
0: Really? (laughs) How come?
1: First of all, not dared. And especially during my consulting days at IBM and McKinsey, I would have not seen the need for that. So back in consulting, I really thought that it's a feminist thing and there is no need for that. And all women who are good will make it somehow. I mean, obviously, I was in the beginning of my career and I naturally took the next promotion and the next promotion. But once then I started at Axel Springer, And in an even more senior role, and I looked right and back, I went to the different leadership summits, I really recognized, hey, why can it be that during my consulting days, I had so many female peers, and now uh, in, in a more senior role or in leadership position, women get less and less. What's the reason for that? Obviously, you can say, yeah, women tend to get children and tend to be not that ambitious or just don't want to make a career. But I met way too many women and there are too many studies proving the opposite. So there is some systematic challenge within companies of all kinds. And it's not something specific to Axel Springer. I think Axel Springer is doing a great job on that for women Achieving equal chances in leadership positions—it's uh, the classic glass ceiling—and I recognized that after my initial, I would say, three to four years at Axel Springer, particularly in these leadership summits, when uh, the share of women was really single-digit, and that was shocking to me. And then I said, "Oh, okay, you know what? Everyone knows me. Everyone knows my performance, my ambitions." I don't need to hide myself and I will now speak up for all these women. But I have to say, when I tried to find allies then who would start this with me, it was really hard to find some. A lot of women said, hey, especially my peers said, you know what? We also achieved it and it's not necessary. That's so old school and come on. And I didn't think so. I thought it's exactly now the right time two years ago. And I found my co-founder, Claudia Vieweger, And she was just as bold as me. And we started it. And I'm very proud of it because through this network, we already reached a number of women. We have now more than 400 uh, participants in our community who are very active. And I really think that there's also mindset change within our company, especially executive board on that topic.
0: What I think very important is that this initiative is supported by executive board of Axel Springer, which makes a huge difference and real impact. And what do you think are the best practical ways to strengthen women in management position?
1: I mean, obviously, the past years, a lot of companies, especially in Germany, try to do that organically by, let's say, telling everyone that they will have an eye on that that HR department said we will have an eye on that we will we are standing behind it and we will ensure that there are more women in leadership positions but it proved to be wrong or at least to be a lip service so if we look at the numbers nothing really changed and that's why i really think that you need systems or some kind of incentives in place to encourage the decision makers to install more women in leadership positions because i think the classic answer of there are not enough women is very outdated because when i um, did succession planning a good example with andreas basically a few years ago he had his names on his list i had my names and i could see from his names and that's no no offense it's just some kind of unconscious bias he had more men on the list far more and more of those who would be a bit louder or would be a bit more extrovert. And obviously, because he's a board member, how could he know about the others if they don't get loud or don't show themselves? I mean, he doesn't have access. Whereas I would have more women and more of those that probably are not the loudest or most self-confident. And I think we need a balance. And for this balance, you need to have Probably some kind of quota or some kind of, it doesn't have to be called quota, but some kind of target percentage of women in leadership positions in a certain time. And if I say in a certain time, I don't mean 10 years, (laughs) but I mean two to four years to change the situation because then even the most senior person will be forced to also look behind the curtain and hardly, and not only into those standard candidates that he or she would have had in mind.
0: It's very interesting that you speak about the loud and bright are getting the recognition and getting the first hand, because that's the case, the extroverted ones, the people who can really sell themselves, who can pitch themselves, they get the attention. But how do you get the people who are more introverted? Uh, they are not less excellent. They are excellent, but they're just not so loud. And there needs to be some kind of empathetic leadership to see those people.
1: Exactly. So you put it already. So one, one is uh, empathetic leadership. And probably also diverse leadership, because diverse leadership will also probably, I hope so, I think in my case it's the case, see more diverse talent because they will have different perspectives. We just talked about a different view on things. And at the same time, you need to have platforms or things in place that make these kind of people also visible. So I think this is something that Axel Springer does quite well. During Corona, we just started the meet the executive board sessions. So you could just drop an email and meet the executive board members, whatever your level is. Obviously, this again requires some self-initiative, but the hurdle is very low. So it's not about pitching yourself, etc. cetera. It's just uh, dropping a one-liner to, to HR and saying, hey, I would like to talk to this and this executive board member. And this kind of possibilities to meet the executive board, for example, and to be more visible is important. And secondly, obviously, something like Axel Springer Women. I mean, we do not only showcase our senior C-level female role models, which is important as well to get some inspiration and motivation that you can do it as well. But at the same time, we also have smaller connect series, as we call it, where we deliberately choose women from within the organization who are willing to tell their stories, success stories to an audience. So we make also those visible.
0: And what would be your recommendations to women who are trying to get more into leadership positions? What are the practical steps? Where should they start?
1: So I would really uh, say that network is really key. I mean, obviously this is true for corporates, but as I have two hats on uh, with corporate, but also my investor role, I would say it's the same in the startup and investment scene particularly in Berlin and Germany, but also in Europe. So start early on on finding great peers that you connect with, whom you get information on different companies, different trends, probably also leadership opportunities. But at the same time also try to find mentors. And obviously it's not like you go to someone and say, Hey, you're my can you be my mentor? And then he or she is your mentor, but this is a progress. So keep an eye on people that believe in you, probably in your work context or that in your surrounding seem to have empathy for, especially for women who, who are ambitious and to try to find allies. And I think over the time, especially, this is not something that comes overnight, but within a few months or even years, this will eventually result in the fact that people will know your name and will support you, beat be, your peers. But also, especially these mentors who will say, "Hey, Gulcha, or Hey X Y, you know what? I think this next opportunity would be the right step for you. For you, and go for it." So these pe- kind of people will support you. So network is really king. And then the second is, don't be shy to ask for what you want. So never over question things because believe me, and I'm I'm telling it from experience. I mean, I worked in very male dominated environments. Most of the men, and obviously this is a cliche, but in general, men will not question their ambitions. And we as women tend to do that way too often. So if you feel like, "Wow, I can't ask that, that's exactly the right question you should ask. So ask for salary increases, ask for new opportunities, ask for a big task that you think you cannot manage because eventually, guess what? You will find a way to do it. Because that's how we learn and that's how we proceed. So network and asking for what you want in a very self-confident way are I think great prerequisites for eventually a leadership career.
0: And how do you think we can also improve on the equal pay gap, particularly in leadership roles? Yeah, equal pay gap
1: is a is a huge topic and it's even more complex than um just having women I'm not just saying just it's not just, but let's say just having women in leadership positions because especially in Germany you don't talk about salary you don't even talk about salary between your coworkers so it's a it's a taboo topic and there's no transparency on that one of my bosses once said gulcha it's very simple the person who negotiates best gets the best salary it's like because i i then think also If this person negotiates well with me, he will also do it on behalf of myself in the outside world, be it when it comes to investments or some client relationships, some contracts. And I thought, wow, that's so true. But on the other hand, that's so unfair because then we as women already have a huge disadvantage because we never tend to argue and negotiate hardly. So, I really think that um, again, here women have to ask for what they want, and they should never try to find excuses for why they want more salary. If you're doing a great job, just ask for it and briefly explain it, but don't don't try to excuse yourself. It is not a bad thing or a mistake or something taboo to ask for a salary increase. I mean, it's the way the system works. If you're doing a great job and bringing some kind of profit or advancement to your company, it's your biggest and foremost achievement and and, and right to to earn more money. And it's also very important, right, to, to keep an, on eye level with your male peers. The second thing, but this takes a bit more time, is what could these hiras or companies, be it a VC, PE, startup, or corporate do, obviously there should be a systematic transparency on salaries, not on individual personal level, but on job title or let's say hierarchy level. This is the ultimate goal because then there is no way to squeeze in more salary as someone who is more self-confident or just
0: asking louder. That's also will be a systematic change because a lot of companies will have to comply to that. Exactly. Have you seen any companies starting on that?
1: So what we did within Axel Springer, and this is something that Claudia did, we looked into salaries. I mean, we didn't disclose it obviously, but we looked into salaries for one department, it was Spring, So Claudia's department within Axel Springer where she looked into the salary levels and um, compared those of men with those of women, and some kind of gap has been found. So I think the first step is really to find out that there is a payment gap, right? Because if you don't have the data, it's just lip service. So first of all, you have to get transparency as we started doing it. Then the second thing is once, and you will find a pay gap, because that's unfortunately still the case in many companies, then the question is how to solve that. And here we talked about certain ways of doing it, Another way is really to make it transparent on a, I would say, on a, on a hierarchy level basis. And the third then would be also ideally to talk about that in the media or at least to other companies to show, to be a role model or to be a pioneer in this case. I am not sure. I, I remember that a t- tech company did it. I don't uh, recall the name. So there are a few companies that are starting that out. And I think as with everything, the more companies We'll start doing that, the, the more will follow. And it's important that it's not only private companies, but also listed companies so that it's really taken seriously.
0: We learned that networking is king and negotiation is also is king. Definitely.
1: <laughs> definitely. Both things that uh, we have to get better in as women, I think, but uh, we'll get there.
0: <laughs> and the question I love asking my guests is to think of a woman who is a role model mm-hmm. and who you would define as an author of her own achievements.
1: That is a challenging one, and I will tell you why. Within the last years, if I look back at the last 15 years of my mainly work experience, my role models or those supporting me have always been male. And I think the reason for that is that our economy on different leadership positions is still very male-dominated. So I'm still grateful that this worked out, but I really think that I should, someone in my role... 10 to 20 years later should be saying at least or naming at least two or three role models. And we are not there yet. And I think your work is so important on that to making these role models transparent. So I would really say um, that my first and foremost role model is my mom. That is a very standard uh, answer, but she's obviously the first woman that I got to know who very early on, as we talked about the importance of early education, shaped my thinking and also shaped my thinking of equality and that there is nothing like men can do, but women can't, etc. cetera, that equal chances are everywhere and that you have to take chances into your own hands. So I would definitely say my mom. And from a business perspective, I would say that one person, she's more in the US context, but I can relate a lot with is Sheryl Sandberg. And I will tell you why. There are a lot of similarities between her background and mine, having started at McKinsey, have stayed there, but not way too long, then uh, went into a, let's say, a tech digital company and made her way there. And at the same time, also having a family. And I think this balance is something that resonates a lot with me and that I think is very important also going forward to show women that you have can have a career, a very successful career. But at the same time, also a very fulfilling private life, be it with children, if you want so. Not everyone wants children, which is perfectly fine or without. But I think that that life is about balances and it's not about 1000 percent business or 1000 percent personal life. And I think this is this is amazing. So I would call her out.
0: Thank you so much, Gulcha, for Naming your women who are authors of their own achievements. And thank you for coming to the studio. I think the conversation was so full of very interesting insights. And most importantly, you give confidence to the listeners, whether it's women or men, you give that confidence and spark of ambition. And I think that's all what we need this year to get back on track and to get back to our goals. Thanks
1: so much. And one quote that I would like to close with that helped me a lot in my life is. The question quote, I call it, it's why, why not me and why not now? So always when you are being confronted with new challenges or chances, always ask yourself these three questions and go for it.
0: Perfect. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening, and we're looking forward to being back soon.